Welcome back to my podcast, Can We Have It All? Real conversations on navigating your 30s and 40s, leaving the 9 to 5 and being a working mum, inspiring you to take that leap to do what you truly want to. Hi guys, this is Hollywood and welcome back to my podcast, Can We Have It All? This is episode number two of my podcast and I'm hoping that you've listened back to episode one, which was a little bit of a role reversal for me and um, an interview with myself and my work wife, Kat Horrocks. And uh, yeah, she was asking me a few questions about where it all began for me in leaving the nine to five and kind of giving you a bit of a hint at what this podcast is gonna be. So if you've not listened to that one, go and check it out um but today it's just me and I thought what I would do is tell you a little bit more about my story go a little bit more in depth so that you guys can kind of hopefully relate and um gain some inspiration from the journey that I've been on and kind of see that uh through the tough times and the shitty times and the times where you don't know what you're going to do it can all work itself out and for the best and you can still have that career that you truly want to and wake up every day and love your job and have a career that's flexible and that works for you and your family so here's a little bit more about me So something that I'm going to be doing with all of my guests on this podcast is a friendly ice-breaking game of this or that. You may or may not know it, but uh, the idea being that you get to know the guest a little bit better. Um, But because this is one of my first podcasts and I don't have a guest today, I thought it only fair and right that somebody play this game with me. And no one was around. None of my friends were here. Bit of a last-minute one. Friends. <laughs> it's my husband. Welcome to the world, my husband. Hi, hubby. Hello, wife. Don't you actually mean it's called Would You Rather? It's not Would You Rather. It That's a totally is. different game. This or that is you have two Which options. Which one would you rather? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's quite similar. I never really thought about it. This or that implies, like, dirty... What are your questions? <laughs> Dirty, probably. <laughs> no, this or that. Innocent game. Icebreaker. So, hit me. New York or Paris? New York. Twitter or Facebook? Twitter. Pizza or pasta? Pasta. Obviously. Obviously. Tom Hardy or Jason Momoa? Ooh. Can't believe you're making me choose. Oh. It's got to be Momoa. Your mum or your dad? <laughs> Neither of them listen to podcasts, so it doesn't matter. That's awful. I'm not choosing. That's horrendous. You have to choose. It's the game. No, it's <laughs> not the game. That's not okay. My mum and my dad. <laughs> Rudy or Flo? <gasps> <laughs> Those are our children, people. No, don't. That You're horrendous. Right now. <laughs> Rudy? No. <laughs> I love them both. Prosecco or porn star martini? Ooh. Porn star, it involves Prosecco, so it's always a win. And last but not least, missionary or doggy? <laughs> missionary. 
Thanks, Holly. <laughs> Thanks, Hubby. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Oh, is that it? <laughs> that was it. My insightful goodbye. <laughs> well, if anybody wants to hear from my hubby again, you know, we'll take requests. Well, if you'd given me more time to prepare, didn't ask me to do this on a Sunday evening. Uh, are, you, are you worried that you're not funny enough, babe? I know I'm funny, it's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The jury's out on that one. And your mum thinks I'm good looking. So, I've got a fairly kind of usual background in that school uh, went on to university. I didn't have a gap year or anything exciting like that. I went straight to university and absolutely loved it. I had no idea what I wanted to study. Being academic, I was kind of told that law would be a great option. Um, so I did the first year of law, realised quite quickly that I didn't want to be a lawyer. I didn't want to read all these books all the time. And as much as it was interesting, it just wasn't the right path for me. Um, so I quickly diverted and changed onto another course. Um, which was entirely different, and it was multimedia technology and design. I'm still not entirely sure what it was, but I loved it, and I came out of uni with a great degree, but more than that, really great life skills. Um, and towards the end of my career at uni, I got in touch for some work experience with the corporate events department, and that's where my real career started, which was events, events management, and that kind of was the next nearly 10 years of my life, really. Um, Organising events, hosting events, coordinating, being a planner, project management, all of those things. And yes, I like lists, people. Um, so that's where it all began. So I worked at the university for a few years after I graduated and really, really loved that and really, really learnt the ethic of hard work and long hours, but for a job that, on the most part, I really enjoyed. I had a fantastic boss, and looking back, having had some really awful bosses since, I really do realise how fantastic she was, and we became friends, and uh, I hold her very dear in my heart because she taught me a lot. She taught me professionalism and hard work and how to get things done right, um, but you know, that you can also have fun and be a nice person with it. You, you don't have to be a dickhead. Um, so, yeah, that was my first job. Then being a kind of early to mid-twenties woman, I realised that working in a university probably that I had studied at as well probably wasn't the best course for me. I, I wanted something different. I'd been in the same environment for, you know, five, five or six years, so it was time for me to move on. And I went and became a wedding planner, and a wedding planner for a venue. So it was kind of the different side of wedding planning. So I got to meet loads of couples and help them coordinate some really great elements of their wedding. But I was based at the venue itself. So what I learned was sales and working with people and um, operations and all of those things, kind of the other side, the back end of the weddings that maybe not everybody gets to see um, from the actual wedding itself. So that was thrown in at the deep end, something completely new. I'd never really been in a sales role before. I certainly didn't think I was salesy, um, but I loved weddings. I loved coordinating things. So I kind of went in a little bit blind, if I'm honest, and quickly realised it was far more emphasis on the sales than it was on the coordination. But 
um, it was great because I was learning a totally new skill and I was growing in confidence with speaking with people, different people, liaising with suppliers, liaising with a team um, that at first were incredibly difficult and quite close to having new people on board, but that um, I like to think that I won over and and made some really good friends there um, and was there for a couple of years and enjoyed the challenge that 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 gave to me. Then my then boyfriend, now husband, um, proposed and we got engaged, um, which you can read all about on my blog, hollygoeslightly.co.uk, because it was an amazing engagement. It was a whirlwind trip that was totally unexpected in New York and it was it was amazing he's amazing and we got engaged and at this point he was studying for a PhD up in Lancaster and had decided that for his second year he wanted to live in Manchester and not Lancaster and just have a little bit more of a foot in a new city and working with some agencies and the BBC who had just moved up there at that time and I realised that the long distance thing was coming to an end and we wanted to be together all the time. So prior to that, I was living in London. He was based in Lancaster. We were driving back and forth and then we got engaged and I knew that I wanted to go up and be with him. So I looked for a job in Manchester and kind of fell into something again that I thought was really related to what I'd done in the past but, but ended up being quite different and a whole new challenge. But again, it was very much based on the person that interviewed me. I got on really well with her. She could obviously see something in me. And I kind of ended up in this role that was entirely new to the organisation. And it was commercial manager. And again, I I don't think I knew what that meant. I, I think there was elements of events in my role. There was elements of working with brands, elements of um, coordination and working with experiential events, which was something that I'd done during work experience as a teenager and was still quite a new term back then. And I think that sort of is what caught the eye of my of my uh, boss back then. And But it was for a property sector. And although it was really exciting and loads of um, brand activities and pop-ups and ice rinks and cinemas and all sorts of cool stuff, it, the actual fundamentals of the company was something entirely different to anything I'd worked in before. It was property management first and foremost. You know, it was all operations and it was all, um, yeah, investments and just things that I hadn't really been used to. And I I guess at some points I was out of my depth, but then I quickly, as I do with most of my jobs, I quickly kind of adapt and learn what I need to learn and, you know, ended up really, really enjoying it. The problem for me came a few years into the job when internal politics were at its worst Uh, A few key people had left or changed in the company and, you know, what had been a really exciting and prosperous uh, kind of company and role was rapidly declining and becoming quite a poisonous place to be. Unfortunately, the person that interviewed me that was was a great kind of uh, champion of me and that I got on with really well um, went on maternity leave and a new boss took over who was just you know, not not a very nice person. And I think um, that's one thing that I've really learned is that the people that you work with can really make or break a job. It doesn't matter how good you are at your job or how much you love it. If the people around you aren't equally as good or on your wavelength, it, it becomes impossible and it becomes really difficult. 
and I reached a real low there for some personal reasons as well. I'd had some surgery and, you know, was was dealing with the repercussions of, of a long kind of process of surgery and just wasn't getting any support at work and was, you know, being faced with terrible, terrible politics and terrible management and some really quite kind of bullying um, attitudes, which just wasn't me. It just, you know, I, I, I'm a nice person. I like people and I like to make friends and I, you know, I'm, I'm really good at what I do. I'm very loyal and I work hard, but I like to have fun too. And I just, I don't like getting embroiled with he said, she says and needs to know and um, yeah, kind of stepping on people to get, to get ahead that wasn't me so I, I I really wasn't enjoying it and I became pregnant and everything changed for me there I I realized very quickly that the focus for me now was this baby and my growing family and being healthy and bringing this baby into a world where its mum was happy and both physically and mentally well and not down or depressed or full of anxiety because she hated her job or that she didn't know what she was going to be facing every time she went into the office and so my priority very quickly turned to the bump and of course what happens when you people find out that you're pregnant is everybody backs off about 10 paces and they don't want to touch you with a barge pole when it comes to work um and you know I very quickly realized that any of the plans that I'd had for my role and those pictures that I'd put in for promotion or for developing my role just just wouldn't happen. But I was quite happy to take a, a step back and just do my job and concentrate on getting through the pregnancy well and healthy. So then I went on to maternity leave. I had my beautiful baby daughter, who's amazing, and um, was just really kind of getting my head around being a mum, which, you know, and for any parents out there, you'll know that those first few months of parenthood is like being hit by a bus and it's all a bit crazy and it's all a bit manic and you're not quite sure what you're doing and you're suddenly in charge of a human being. Um, so my head was just in the motherhood game and just get, getting around that. And a few months into my maternity leave, I, I started to... Um, receive emails that were about keeping in touch days and catching up and I went for that first meeting all kind of geared with new ideas of of what my work would look like when I returned and how I could make it work and I was very quickly faced with a redundancy offer essentially and you know the landscape of of the job that I'd left had changed after a lot of negotiation and you know a fair bit of bullying on their part um I took voluntary redundancy which was essentially redundancy on my maternity leave and it was really tough and being that at that point my baby girl was six months old and all I wanted to be doing was enjoying being a mum and I didn't think I'd you know have to be thinking about this or worrying about money I thought I had a year to be a mum and to recover and to get my head around it all but instead six months in I was you know being faced with either paying legal fees to contest what I didn't feel was right or accepting and just moving on and unfortunately as I think a lot of other women do we just accept and move on because we're scared and we feel vulnerable you know especially after a baby you're you're at one of your most vulnerable stages of life and when a big company are kind of willing to take you on in legal battles it, it's almost impossible for the average person to be able 
to you know indulge in that so I just took it as a positive and actually for my own sanity I did not want to go back there and it had changed so much none of the people that I loved were still there and um that was when I decided to turn what was a hobby into a business and I I had no idea I didn't have a business plan it was just something that my husband and I spoke through he's great he's really entrepreneurial he came up with some ideas and I bounced a few back and I thought this could actually be a thing so if you know me you'll know that I'm a blogger my blog is hollygoeslightly.co.uk and I'm a content creator I'm on Instagram at underscore hollygoeslightly for anyone interested and I'm really into writing about lifestyle, photographing, things that I do, and um, I'm a foodie. So a lot of my content is based around food, travel, family, and interiors. Um, And that's something that, you know, I've been blogging for seven or eight years now before blogging was even a thing. And certainly influencers didn't exist. And people weren't really commercialising their blogs in the way that people do now. Certainly people weren't going out there to have a career in it. And I always did it as a hobby. And when I moved to Manchester on weekends, I started um, putting a tweet out there to meet up with fellow bloggers just to kind of make friends. I didn't know anybody in Manchester and I certainly didn't know any bloggers. And it felt at that stage like that world was all happening in London and that if you weren't in London, no one was really interested in your blog and certainly brands weren't. So it was really difficult to kind of feel like there was any support out there in the blogging world up north. Um, So I started some meetups for fellow bloggers in Manchester called We Blog MCR. And with my events background and being the sort of organised person that I am, I branded it up and I created a thing, a website and some social channels and, you know, hosted events. It wasn't just meeting up in a bar, we we were there talking about collaboration and um, I absolutely loved it and it became very apparent that there was this need from other people like me to have that support and that learning environment from like-minded people. So fast forward a couple of years, I was meeting up, hosting these meetups regularly, kind of monthly. Um, I'd sort of branched into more workshop style events where we would have a speaker sort of teach us about an element of content creation and the interest was was growing so when I was made redundant I thought you know what this perhaps I do this perhaps I start to monetize this and perhaps I can make a business and up until that point I'd been quite happy being the one buying the Prosecco and um you know paying the speakers to come because I was getting something out of it as well and I was in the very early stages of building this community and I was quite happy to do that but obviously it's untenable when you're not earning any money and um, you don't have a job. So the second half of my first maternity leave was all about the kind of foundations of what this business could look like. So I quickly realised that I needed to kind of canvas some opinion from the community that I'd created, Weblog MCR, and ask people what they wanted. And I think that was the key for me, is knowing that there was a business out there. Because this was still a very new industry. There wasn't really a business model to replicate. And it wasn't like I was a designer maker. I didn't have a physical product to sell in that respect. So for me, it was about 
market research, understanding what people wanted. I myself am my target audience, so I knew what I wanted. And um, trying to create an idea of what WeBlog MCR could become. And it very quickly became a members subscription service where for people like myself who wanted to collaborate and be inspired and to learn about content creation which started from blogging but quickly moved into social media influencing microblogging and then even entrepreneurs and small businesses who were using digital content as part of their work so I knew there was a community there and I laid the foundations of setting up a website, setting up a subscription service, using the database that I'd grown over the few years as my kind of base audience and starting to monetize. And, you know, when I say monetize, we are talking pennies here. I mean, the subscription for WeBlog MCR when it came out was £2.50 a month. And all I wanted to do was see if the desire was there and cover the bottles of Prosecco that I'd be buying at the meetups. I wasn't looking to make millions. I was looking for something that I could do from my laptop when I was breastfeeding or in those moments where the baby was napping or on weekends. I just wanted something that would offer me flexibility and that would be something that I enjoyed and would benefit me as much as my customers. And that's what WeBlog MCR gave me. And through the following kind of year following that, I would host face-to-face -face events, workshops, again, employ people to come and speak. And, and the community grew from 20 of us that first met in that pub in Manchester to over 100 people. And I realised there was something in this and that it would, there was a business idea there. And so alongside that, the idea of the Northern Blog Awards was born because, again, this, the industry at this point was now growing. People were recognising bloggers and the content that they were creating and brands were certainly picking up on the value of that. So I wanted to create an event that was Northern-based that championed all of the Northern content creators because I was so passionate about that and I still am. And I think as much as the world, the landscape is changing... Back then, it just felt like everything was in London. And if you were a blogger, you'd be invited to events the night before. You'd have to pay to get the train down to London. No one would really remember you because you'd be back off the next day. And it just felt like it, it wasn't right because I'd met so many amazing and talented people in the North that it was kind of like, why aren't brands coming up here? Why aren't they working with us? And so I thought that a glitzy, glamorous red carpet event could be the answer. And if nothing else, it would be a great excuse for all of us to get dressed up, have a red carpet event and meet each other and really kind of emphasise the community that was already in place. But with the plus point, if you wanted to work with brands, then you could meet them too. So for me, pulling the Northern Blog Awards together was like pulling together a wedding and I absolutely loved it. It was, yeah, it was huge and it... it got an amazing response and I was really lucky that I had some great sponsors on board from from day dot and I just rolled with it and you know it was it was a big event to pull off by myself and I was doing it single-handedly with a little baby um but I knew it would be really really important and that it could shape how people viewed me in the industry but also the community that I had created which after the Northern Blog Awards I changed the name from WeBlog MCR to WeBlog North. And that's because 
we had members in Liverpool, in Newcastle, you know, in Yorkshire that wanted to be part of this community that we'd grown and it had grown outside of Manchester and that was such an amazing feeling and I couldn't believe it. And I guess it was then that I thought, yeah, we do have a thing here. You know, this this is something that I've created and, and I think it could be here to stay. So after the first Northern Blog Awards, which was a huge success, I just couldn't believe it. Stood up on that stage in front of over 200 people. Um, little old me as a blogger, total imposter syndrome, just thinking, how have I made this happen? But just seeing all those smiling faces, the sponsors were happy, the attendees were happy, the winners were happy. It was just, it was fantastic. And I think it did really well in making people take note of the industry being up here as well as down south. And look, I'm an ex-Londoner. I love London. I love all my brothers and sisters in London in the blogging world. But, you know, the frustrations were that we were seeing people moving house you know moving from Manchester down to London moving from Yorkshire just to be in the industry and it didn't feel like that was right and with the help of some really high profile bloggers like Megan Ellaby who is staying put up here in the north I think it's really great because it champions that there's enough happening up here for brands to really take notice so that was a super super proud moment for me and um and that's kind of the the beginning of my business and I'm I still feel like I'm in the early stages. I don't know if I'm a startup or a small biz. I, I don't know. Um, but what I do know is that I'm growing something from scratch, from, from nothing, from 20 people meeting up in a pub into a membership which currently has about 250 members that we've just expanded into WeBlog UK with the hope of emulating what we've done in the north in other parts of the country with WeBlog Midlands, WeBlog South, WeBlog Wales and WeBlog Scotland so that everybody, no matter where you are, feels like they've got the support of this community and these learning resources and this inspiration at hand um, in the way that we, we have created up here in the north. So anyway, I could ramble on about that all day, but I guess what I want this podcast to be is kind of real life stories. I know during my journey... Um, especially after being made redundant, I was terrified. I was so used to being in, you know, a nine to five. I mean, we say nine to five. I think everybody probably works 8.30 to 6.30 these days. But what I mean is a more traditional, in inverted commas, job. So we get really used to, we leave school, we leave uni, we go get a job, we get a pension fund, we have sick pay, we have annual leave. And then we either go and rent or we get a mortgage and you're in that cycle of this is what life is and this is what I need to do to be able to support my lifestyle. And that was terrifying for me. So when I suddenly was faced with not having an income in a few months, I it was terrifying. I didn't know what to do for the best. But what I did know that I wanted was to spend more time with my daughter. I didn't want to have to pay extortionate amounts to put her into full-time care to then be sat in an office thinking I'm essentially paying to be here because unless you have a great salary or absolutely adore your job I knew that it for me it wasn't exactly worth it so and I think a lot of people are in the same position um so I wanted to create a flexible working environment for myself which would be part-time to start with and would cover me putting my daughter into a private nursery for three days a week 
and you know I wanted to work I wanted to be out there I'm I'm a worker I'm a doer I like I'm an extrovert as well I like I get energy from people so I didn't want to be you know just a mum I wanted to be a working mum and trying to find the right role or the right company just it just wasn't there for me so that's kind of why I why I started this journey so I now have two children I have a toddler and a baby and my second maternity leave just didn't exist because I was working for myself and I think that's probably a whole another podcast in itself um but I'm still I'm still on this journey I'm still figuring it all out but what I will do is kind of talk through my average working slash mumming day so I'll talk you through my average day so for me at the moment it's the morning is all about getting the kids ready it's doing the school run to preschool and I'm still in full-time care of my nine-month-old so it's getting them fed off to school baby here down for a nap and then I may get an hour to an hour and a half of catching up on emails or doing some work correspondence something that needs to get done usually the really important stuff then it will be baby awake off to a baby group or a class um back for some lunch and then usually at this age he's quite happy playing for half an hour maybe and I you know with the help of CBBS, can get another little bit of work done usually a bit of social media maybe a blog post if I'm lucky um if not if he's in one of those places or one of those moods where he needs my attention, of course he gets it and I get stolen kind of moments on my phone replying to emails, which is just a nightmare, but it needs to be done. Then it's school pickup time and I'm into the afternoon of dinners, um, playtime, and then the husband comes home and it's bath and bedtime. And at that point I'm usually cooking dinner or I've just cooked dinner the hubby does the bath times and then we both negotiate the bedtimes together so one of us will do one child and the other will do the other and then it's about half past seven and that's when my working day starts and yeah I'll get a couple of hours on my laptop if I'm not too zonked and if I've had a semi-decent night's sleep the night before and I will do a load of my work so working for yourself is not easy and that's probably one of the first things I'll say it's not the easy option it's not the option that means less work and it's not the option that gets you your evenings and your weekends to sit and veg in front of the telly yes there's moments like that and yes if you really need one of those days you get to have one because you only answer to yourself but there's that constant pressure of needing to work and especially when you're juggling children without childcare, which I am at this point with my baby anyway, um, you need to be getting your work hours in wherever you can. And if, like me, you have children who don't sleep, then um, you're knackered all the time, and that creates its own problems. But this is one of the things that I would say my biggest piece of advice is you've just got to take each day as it comes and take one day at a time because one day can be so hard you can be so exhausted and just not getting anything done and it can all turn around the next day with a really exciting opportunity or a decent night's sleep which makes you feel like a whole new human being and I think that's one thing I've really learned is that the businesswoman in me gets so frustrated that I can't grow things as quick as I'd like to I know that if I 
had five days a week on my business for the last three years that I would be flying right now. But I have to remind myself of the real reason that I was doing this. Why did I start my business in the first place? And it was so that I could spend more time with my children because these first few years to me were, it felt such a privilege to be able to have the opportunity to be with them. And if I could make that work, then I would. So I have to remind myself that yes, my business growth is slower, but in fact, I get more time with my children, which is what I want. And that in itself is where the value comes for me. So who's going to be on this podcast? Well, I'm going to intersperse um, weeks where it might just be me chatting about anything and everything to do with the reality of working for yourself and being a mum and juggling everything, basically, that... um, a person juggles when they work for themselves and they're a mum and there will be some weeks where I have a guest and I think the guests are going to be super exciting for you guys Um, it will be a raft of wonderful women who all have their own experiences in leaving the nine-to-five or a more traditional workplace to pursue their kind of creative dreams really So it won't just be people from the blogging industry, although there will be some. It'll be women from all sorts of industries and creative backgrounds and doing different things. What I'd love this podcast to be for you guys is somewhere that you can tune in whilst you're having a bath in those stolen moments where you haven't got the kids, maybe after you put them down to bed or when you're driving on the school run or the commute and for it to be a source of inspiration and... And as all working mums, that's my baby in the background who's saying, mum, get on and feed me. Stop talking on the podcast. But yeah, I want this to be a friendly place, an approachable place where you can listen to real stories. You can send in some questions and get to know your fellow women out there a little bit better and hopefully inspire you to do something that you really, really want to. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please check out some of my others and take 30 seconds to leave me a five-star rating and a review. I totally rely on this to have my podcast findable to other women like you. So um, yeah, it means a lot if you could just take that little second to leave me a review. Thanks, guys.